love friends to this edition of the choose love podcast we have an incredibly special guest today and i am so honored to have daryl scott of rachel's challenge with us today to talk about really what he's created uh, and and it's actually coming up on a very important anniversary for you, Daryl, but the most popular school assembly program in honor of his precious daughter, Rachel Joy Scott, who was actually the first victim of the Columbine school shooting, where on April 20th, 1999, two students shot their way into the high school and murdered 11 students, a teacher, and then themselves. Unfortunately, now school shootings have become pretty much our new normal. 2018 was the deadliest year on record. We have about one per week, but Daryl Scott has done more than anyone else that I know for school safety and for helping our children in our country and beyond. Daryl, it is such an honor to have you with us today. Well, it's an honor to be with you, Scarlett. Thank you. I have so much respect for you and for what you've created. It's really incredible how aligned our stories and our missions are. You all found some journals and essays that contained Rachel's incredible writing thoughts and musings and, and really, really all pertaining to her, her values. I want to read a quote that you have on your website. I have this thought that if one person can go out of their way to show compassion, then it will start a chain reaction of the same. People will never know how far a little kindness will go. And that is a Rachel Joy Scott quote. And Daryl, in Rachel's honor, and because of Rachel, you have started one of the most incredible chain reactions of kindness that this world has ever known. Well, thank you. And Scarlett, you and I, of course, have something in common that we wish we didn't. We've both lost our children in school shootings, and you've done an incredible, incredible job of honoring Jesse, as we've tried to do in honoring Rachel. But the quote that you just quoted was from an actual essay that she had written for her fifth period class one month before she died. And the teacher had told the class, you can write on any subject you choose. And so Rachel chose the title, My Ethics, My Codes of Life. And in that essay, she challenged her reader to do exactly what you quoted, to start a chain reaction of kindness and compassion. And today over 28 million people have heard that challenge from our presenters worldwide. I just got a chill that went all over my body when you said that. In her essay, My Ethics, My Codes of Life, she said that compassion is the greatest form of love humans have to offer. And I know that to be true. It's so interesting that Jesse also left a message. Of course, he was in first grade, but his message was nurturing, healing, love. And that has shaped my thoughtful response to the tragedy. 
And it is also my mission, as it is yours, to spread his message. You're spreading Rachel's message. It's like they had a spiritual awareness that they weren't going to be on this earth for very much longer, but they left visions and missions of where we have to go in order to survive and thrive on top of that. Yes, and as you and I have talked about many times, the two streams have come together to form a river. And uh, we honor uh, Jesse and all of our presentations. And uh, we know that you've done that with Rachel. And we believe that, you know, our organizations are going to even work closer together in the future. So we, we really admire what you've done. And the message is basically the same. It's coming from two different stories, but it's the same. And uh, all of the organizations out there that are reaching out to the heart of children, like yours and like ours. We work very closely with Dr. Robert Marzano. He and I have written a couple of books together, one of them called Awaken the Learner, and it's geared toward reaching the heart and not just the head, because the metacognitive skills are just as important as the cognitive skills. And that's something you've documented so well in your writings and in the material that you give to children and to students. Yeah, I mean, we're realizing that social and emotional intelligence is even more important, might I have the courage to say this, <laughs> than reading, writing, and math, because actually through decades of scientific research, we realize that when kids have this social and emotional intelligence, when they have access to these, what they're called essential <laughs> life skills, that the reading, writing, and math, and the academics come. In fact, they get better grades and test scores, higher attendance, higher graduation rates, less stress and anxiety, less behavioral issues. It is a statistically effective way to reduce and prevent bullying by addressing the cause. I think the problem is we've been reactive and we've addressed the issues, but we really haven't looked at what's causing the suffering that's leading to all of these issues. And that is what your organization and my organization literally does. Well, you know, I want to address a story real quickly that, that relates to what you're talking about when you say that it's more important to reach the heart than to reach the head because the head follows the heart. Mm -hmm. Advertisers have learned that. Advertisers own cars or insurance. They don't appeal to our head. They appeal to our mm -hmm. heart. You put a, a, a dog, a pretty woman, a handsome man in a car and you make an advertisement and people want to go buy the car. Mm -hmm. So uh, if you go back in history, Horace Mann was the founder of public education in America. And the model that he used was called the Pestalozian model because he had traveled to Europe and learned everything he could about a great Swiss educator by the name of uh, Johann Pestalozzi. I want to tell you that story real quickly because it pertains to what we're talking about. Johann Pestalozzi was a tall, gangly man. Uh, his wife was sick. But in 1799, the French army invaded Switzerland. They invaded a town called Stans, Switzerland, where uh, 1,800 adults had refused to sign the new constitution, the French constitution. They slaughtered over 1,000 adults with the bayonet and with swords, and it left 81 children with no parents. Mm. And Johann Pestalozzi took those 81 orphans into an old convent. He had no curriculum. He had no books, zero. But he began to teach them 
with objects. He taught them with stones and with rocks, with when they would see fog on the windows of the old convent. He, he allowed the things that they were interested in to become the point of teaching. And he, he had a theory, and it became uh, something that became ingrained in American education in the early 1800s. It was the heart, the head, and the hands. He invented that term. Reach the heart, and they will give you the head and hands. He only had those children for six months, 81 orphans. He taught them from his heart. He reached their hearts. And in that group of children, world changers emerged after only six months. That influenced Horace Mann to do a study on his form of education. And he brought that back to America. And the first American school system was actually called the Pestalozian system of education. And they used object training, they used field trips, and they reached the heart of the kids. And if you want to see the proof in the pudding, you can look at the educational system in the early 1800s. And for example, Noah Webster, who wrote the dictionary, mm -hmm. also wrote a number of school books. And one of those, I have 11 copies of the original editions, was called the Blueback Speller. It was a third grade spelling book. And third graders were spelling, pronouncing, and defining words like, like bronchotomy, loquacious, <laughs> mendacity. These were all third grade spelling words. Their math problems would blow your mind. They had no calculators, they had no computers, and they were answering questions that would almost, <laughs> almost stump a college graduate. So when you look back at the educational system we had until Horace Mann came along and institutionalized it in the early 1900s, our whole system was based on what you and I are always talking to teachers and uh, educators about. Reach the heart first. If you reach the heart and you create a desire in the child to want to learn, you've done so much more than just crown their head full of facts, figures, and data. I totally agree. It's interesting, Daryl, because when I talk about our education system beyond the early 1900s, I talk about that and how, you know, at some point we took out character values and we took out the, the teaching of the heart and we focused on the head and the hands. And I honestly think today, I, almost out of desperation, we're realizing, oh my gosh, we've gotten so far out of bounds that students are suffering so much that it's not even like suicide anymore at, at top of the triangle triage it's homicide that we need to bring the heart back into the equation yes i think out of desperation you know we we lost our children in school shootings but there's only been 150 or less students killed in school shootings since columbine since my daughter who was the first one to be killed died but there has been over 300,000 young people commit suicide since mm -hmm. that day so we focus so much on school shootings but so little on the suicide prevention and we have seen we see an average of about 150 suicides a year prevented because we go into a school we tell a story and you do the same thing that story reaches the hearts of kids and from that story they give us permission then to touch their head and their hands. And we do trainings, we, we introduce your material to teachers, and we have our materials that we introduce, but there needs to be a catalyst. And that catalyst, first of all, must not reach their heads. 
but their hearts. And that's what we do so effectively through stories. We reach the heart. It creates the desire to want to, and then the desire to learn how to. You know, I always say when you open the heart, you open the mind. And, you know, I see this in all of my audiences, kids, adults, it doesn't matter what age or stage anyone's in. When they open the heart, they open their mind. That's the power of Rachel's challenge as well. And Daryl, I have so much respect for you and your team. And I've actually seen those letters that you have where kids have written in and said they were thinking about suicide. They were not just thinking about it. They actually had plans. And because of Rachel's challenge, because of Rachel, they reconsidered and they weren't going to do that. And they, they had found kind of like a, a purpose and they were going to move forward. And it's just amazing. Well, you know, one of the interesting things that we share with young people is Rachel had uh, idolized Anne Frank and was very inspired by Anne Frank's diary. And because of that, uh, Rachel left our family with six diaries. And as we read her diaries after she died, we were just astonished, just like you were when you found what uh, your son Jesse had written, mm -hmm. Nurturing Healing Love. We found in Rachel's diaries, not only that she believed that she had a purpose, she, uh, she wrote on the back of her dresser when she was only 13 years old. She drew an outline of her hands and she said, these hands belong to Rachel Joy Scott and will someday touch millions of people's hearts. We didn't find that writing until two years after she died when we moved her dresser from one room to another. And by the time we found it, we had already spoken to over two million people in live settings. And of course, today we're, we're knocking on the door of 30 million people in live settings. So she had a prophetic sense that her life was gonna count. And uh, she wrote quite a bit about the fact that she felt like there was a purpose for her life and that purpose was around compassion and kindness and that it would reach the whole world but there was something else that she wrote about that stunned us she wrote that she believed she would die as a homicide victim at a young age and she also had shared with a number of her friends she told one of her friends that she didn't believe she'd live to be old enough to be able to go to college or to get married or have children but that her life had purpose and meaning and when we began to put all of this together, it was just an amazing, amazing, it was, it was almost beyond fiction. And as we share about the things she wrote and the acts of kindness that she did in schools, it opens the hearts of kids. We see bullies apologizing to the kids they bullied. We've seen gang members take off their colors. We see the kids come up with tears streaming down their face, telling us they were planning to either shoot others, kill others, or kill themselves. Mm -hmm. We've actually seen seven school shootings that we know of that have been prevented because of Rachel's challenge. And of course, you guys see similar things with, with what you do with the Choose Love movement. I remember seeing the video, Daryl, that you all had made, uh, and it's a true story of a young man in a tremendous amount of pain and, and taking it out on others i.e. a bully from one of the schools that you visited and he listened to your workshop and he was so moved at the end of the day after everyone had left he remained in the stands and the speaker came up and put their arm around him and said are you 
And he said, you know, I'm rethinking everything and what I have to do. And the next day he came to school. I mean, it, 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 it actually makes me um, cry. Now thinking about it, he wrote a poster that said, I'm sorry. And he stood in the bus line so that yes. every student getting off the bus going into school could see that apology. And, and that's, you know, the realization that he came to. And that's, that's a life saved because, you know, these issues don't stop when these kids graduate. They, they go on for the rest of their lives. And this is a, yes. a life of pain and trying to off put that pain on others averted. He now has this freedom, as Rachel called it, kindness as a meaning and purpose of his life. And when you live your life that way, it is a completely different life. And I know that. And and for me, not that I was a bully, but I, you know, I didn't realize really a lot of this, nor did I focus till my six-year-old son was murdered. And, and then I came upon this realization, but I always think about how we're giving these skills, tools, and awarenesses to kids and how their lives are going to be changed from here going forward. Yes, absolutely. And I want to share quickly a couple of stories. Uh, we never know who's going to be impacted by Rachel's story. We have people behind bars. We have people who are in for life for murder mm -hmm. that have contacted us. One of them, I won't name him, but the whole world knows his name. But he contacted us saying, your daughter's story touched me. I'm on, you know, I'll be in prison the rest of my life for the horrible things I did. But her story touched me and I have shared her story with every prisoner in the prison that I'm mm. in. Just a few months ago, we heard from a young lady by the name of Kaylee McKinney. And Kaylee told us that in middle school, she heard Rachel's story. She said, it changed the course of my life. I chose to go to Harvard Law School. I went into politics. And as I tell this story, I want to say that Rachel's Challenge is a non-political, non-religious organization, just like yours is. Mm -hmm. But Kaylee went on to work for the President of the United States, and she called us a few months ago just to tell us that Rachel had actually changed her life. Just last week, she was appointed as the new press secretary, White House press secretary of the United States. So you'll be seeing her a lot on television. Whether you are pro or con, the fact is her life has been touched. And another story I want to share, I was speaking at uh, the Broadmoor in Colorado, which is a big resort area to about 500 educators. And a young man saw the sign, Rachel's Challenge, outside the Broadmoor. He and his wife were just walking outside the resort. And uh, they came in and asked one of my employees if they could talk to someone in Rachel's family. And uh, I'm so glad I talked to him. His name was Ivan. Ivan walked up to me. He had shorts and a T-shirt on. And I was just getting ready to get up and speak. But he said, Mr. Scott, your daughter saved my mm -hmm. life and saved the life of my stepdad. He said... Five years ago, I was in high school. My mom was a drug addict. She had lived with a number of men. And the man she was living with when I was in high school would beat me brutally, mm. lock me mm. in closets. And then he lifted up his shirt and showed me his chest was covered with cigarette 
wow. burns where he had been tortured. And uh, he said, my stepdad would burn me in places that couldn't be seen. Mm. And at one time I was taken to the hospital and literally was pronounced dead for two mm. minutes. He mm. said, I had to lie about the things that happened because he told me if I ever said what happened, he would kill my mom, then he would oh kill me. He said, I hated that man. I had a friend buy a gun and the week your program came to my school, I was planning to kill him and then kill myself. But Rachel's story changed everything. He said, I joined the Friends of Rachel Club because we create a service club in the schools. And he said, they helped me move out of the home with my grandparents. Uh, I was able to forgive. I did turn him in, but I was able to forgive, move on with my life. And now I'm serving in the, in the military. So we, we know there's many stories out there that we'll never hear, but the ones we do hear make what we do worthwhile. These stories are incredible and they're real and they're happening now. People's lives are being changed. And I love our partnership, Daryl, because our programming goes so well together. Yes. The messaging is so similar and our focus. And I'm just so honored. And we've been in partnership for the last couple of years and we actually met in person we knew of each other's work and both wanted to meet each other but I, i'll never forget meeting you in the elevator and it is when we were both presenting at the federal safe school commission while that commission was putting together their guidelines for school safety going forward and this was released only a year ago i think and of course, both of us had influence in the creation of that document. And this is what a lot of it is. This is proactive prevention. The first chapter in that report is character education <laughs> and uh, social yes. emotional learning is in there and it addresses the cause. We're not necessarily used to thinking that way. We we kind of wait till there are issues and then we focus on the issues and then what happens when we focus on something, it grows. And that's what's happened to bullying, substance abuse, suicide. All of these things are, are skyrocketing. And it's really organizations like yours and mine that address the cause of these issues that are ultimately the solution. And it's just so powerful. You know, we're right now in the midst of this coronavirus situation, but uh, after we get through it and in the fall when school starts, there's going to be a tremendous need for children to reconnect with themselves, with their teachers, with their peers. And uh, there's no better way for that to happen than through teachers using your material and schools having Rachel's Challenge come into their school for assemblies and trainings. Because connection is where it's all at. All suicide takes place, almost all of it, because kids don't feel connected. And that's the thing that you do the best and that we do the best. Absolutely. And and love is connection. I remember speaking to little, little kids, <clears throat> love speaking to that age group because they just blurt out the truth. And I asked them what hatred and resentment feel like in their body. And they all just... Ah, headache, fire, inferno, and they would uh, kind of double over in pain. And then I asked them what love looked like. 
And without even thinking about it, they looked to the person to their left or right and they threw their arms around one another. Or when I asked them and they're sitting around tables, they reach out and they try to touch fingertips. So love is connection. And this is exactly what Rachel's Challenge and the Jesse Lewis Choose Love movement do. They facilitate connection. But the interesting thing is, even though we're we're born with this need to connect and, and especially I think in the time of the coronavirus, I think sometimes we think uh, that we're islands in the stream, right? And that we're so independent and that we can do things on our own. But I think we've realized, wow, we need other people. Uh, and and, yes. and, uh, and the supply chain so important. All of a sudden you're starting to think about those farmers and you're starting to think about manufacturing and the people showing up to work. And who makes that toilet paper, by the way, because that's also very right. important. And uh, all of a sudden, JT's girlfriend who works in a grocery store, she's an essential worker and she's getting hazard pay. This is incredible. So we're realizing the need for healthy and positive connection. And the interesting thing, I love this research by Harvard University. They've done the longest ever research on human life. And they started when these babies were newborns. And now these people are 80 plus years old. But when they were around 75 years into this study, they found the secret to happiness. And they actually published research on this and they found the secret to happiness is healthy relationships and meaningful connection. And here's the thing, we have to learn how to have that. And do we learn it from home? Yes, we do. But if your parents don't necessarily have these skills and tools, and I, I always give myself up as an example, I didn't have these skills and tools, then you can't teach what you, you don't have. And so it's so important to have not only this at home, but also teaching this in the school, because these are what's called essential life skills that kids are going to take with them for the rest of their lives and use them in their relationships, in their own families, in the workplaces, in their communities and beyond. These are the skills and tools that help create a safe, peaceful and loving world. And that's, Daryl, what you and I are, are helping create. Yes, it is. And what we found is a powerful combination of the materials that you have provided and uh, I've run them past some of the experts, including my partner, Dr. Robert Marzano, who said it's some of the best he's ever seen. And we provide that to the teachers, but we also create a Friends of Rachel Club in the school so that the kids actually have an outlet that they begin to show love to others because the whole purpose of the Friends of Rachel Club, the four clubs we call them, is to reach out to others. And, and kids just come alive. High school, middle school, elementary school, just like you said, they want to reach out to one another. That's the definition of love, is really giving of yourself to others. The old Greeks had three words for love. Eros, which was a selfish love. We get the word erotic from that. Uh, phileo, which was a brotherly love. Philadelphia is named after phileo, Philadelphia. And it means a, a mutual love where I will love you if you will love me back. But the third level was agape love. Agape was unconditional love, love that expected nothing in return. And that's exactly what Choose Love Movement is all about, what Jesse's message was all about. 
and what Rachel's message was all about. And I'm thrilled to be working with you and your team I, as well. I love that, Daryl. Unconditional love. Loving and expecting nothing in return. That is so beautiful. And I think that's the kind of love that we all want. That's the kind of love that connects every single human being on this planet. Regardless of age or stage, we all want and need love. And Rachel's challenge and the Jesse Lewis Choose Love movement help us to be able to choose that for ourselves and others. So powerful. Yes. Well, I'm so thrilled to have been with you today. And I just want to challenge every person that's listening to, to choose to love others, to start a chain reaction. That's our combined message. Choose love, start a chain reaction of kindness and compassion. And don't overlook the little things because it's the little things that lead to the big things. Be faithful in the little things and they'll turn into big things. Absolutely, Daryl. Thank you so much for joining us. We are so appreciative of you and we honor Rachel Joy Scott each and every day. Thank you for choosing love and we will see you next time. It's all part of us. We can all choose love. It'll lift you up if you let it in. Let